afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, the poem I'm going to read today is called A Poem for Today, Tomorrow, and the Future. <clears throat> Let freedom ring from left every voice and sing to all aboard on the freedom train. We come from a time where racial hatred has been embedded into us. The dream of freedom were overshadowed by the reality of hate. As Maya Angelou stated, still I rise. But we rose. We rose from fear and overbearing sadness. We stood in the face of hatred and refused to back down. From the blood and bruises of oppression, we have cleaned ourselves up through knowledge and preservation. The mother's cries and fatherless homes birthed a new nation to stand tall and march for equality, the generations of ancestors that have prayed for. We have learned to walk hand in hand with the ones that we have been fearful of. As we stand in the face of our once oppressors, we both see that when we cut, we bleed. When we have sadness, we share tears in the midst of pain. We both walk with purpose and in love. God created us to walk along one another, created us in different degrees and measures to learn from one another, to walk in the light of love, turn away from the whispers of hate. You are my brother. You are my sister. So don't fear me, but love me. Don't oppress me, but uplift me. Do not see what is different about me, but what is the same about us. See me through my heart and soul. Disregard the talks of stereotypes, stereotypes and hate of rhetoric. It starts with you, it starts with me, and it ends with us together. Thank you. Let's give her a hand. Thank you, Aaron. That was a powerful poem. I love the one another aspect of that, didn't you? That's what it's all about, one another. As I look around this room, I sense a one another spirit. Look around right now. Why don't you just take a moment just to look around? It's a beautiful thing to see a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multicultural church uh, that knows what it means to love together and to worship together. And even at times uh, to hurt together. It's a powerful thing to know that we are one in Christ. And as, uh, as I think it was Ralph Waldo Emerson said, uh, that what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. And what lies within us? It's that hope, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Are you glad about that this morning? Okay, I'm going to need some help. Are you glad about that this morning? Is Christ alive in anyone this morning besides me? Okay, there we are. Uh, This is an exciting day. Uh, We're going to get into the Word of God here and just uh, track through some amazing uh, stories and things that took place uh, when God's people took an inner look at themselves. And so I want you to do that this morning. I want you to take a close look at who you are and the things that are going on at the seat of your heart. Um, uh, I wouldn't be able to start a good sermon off uh, with my experience without telling you a police story first. So uh, I'm going to start right off just by telling you and get this out of the way so we can get on to the word of God and let the word of God speak. But I'm hoping also that you'll be able to capture something from this. Okay, so here I was, uh, a young police officer. Uh, I wasn't straight out of the academy, but I was still young. And so now I'm out and, I, and we get this call for service. I'm with uh, my training officer 
uh, my field training officer. And so we responded to this call. Very nice part of town, very nice uh, neighborhood. And so we pulled up and it was a neighbor trouble. Typically, these things are one neighbor that's upset about something that another, another neighbor does. And you sit there and you're like, yes, yeah, so blah, 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 blah. OK. I mean, it's just one of those kind of deals. And so we get there, we pull up a beautiful car in the driveway, just an amazing home, the kind of home that you and I would probably dream about if we were, uh, you know, people who were given to idolatry. But since we're not, we won't think about it. But but it was a beautiful home. And so I remember we pulled up, we got out, walked to the car, walked to the front door, beautiful front door, you know, all the ornate kind of stuff. Uh, how can we help you, ma'am? And so she begins to go on and on about the neighbor across the way, uh, about those people over there. And so she's going on about those people. And, and, you know, to be frank, at first I thought those people were, you know, people of color. So, but, but it really wasn't that case. It was sort of one of those white on white kind of crime things. So, so she's talking about the people across the way on the other side of the tracks who didn't look, who actually looked like her. And so we're standing there and then all of a sudden she invites us in for lemonade. Now this is one of those hot, sultry days. And so naturally we said, yes. So, so, so we walk inside of this exquisite home. And of course, you know, she has lemonade already in this little nice glass pitcher. Uh, not the kind, well, this is this really nice pitcher. It wasn't the plastic kind. I'm not going to say that we have that at home because my wife's here. This is that nice glass thing. And so she pours us a glass of lemonade as she's still going on and on. And of course, we're not listening at all. And so I turned up my, my glass of lemonade and we already figured out what we were going to tell her at the end. But I turned up my glass of lemonade and, and I just had to stick out the little pinky finger. You, you've got to do that. So I'm sticking up and I'm looking over at the guy with me. I'm like, dude, your pinky finger's not out. Sticking. So we're sitting there. And, uh, and we're sipping on our lemonade as she goes. And then she tells us that there are warm, in fact, hot brownies uh, baking in the oven right then and there. Somebody say, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, we know that there are probably other causes that are be coming down the line. But right then and right there, that felt like a God moment. So we're sipping on our lemonade with our pinky fingers out and, and we're smelling those brownies. And all of a sudden, I begin to look around the room. And then I noticed at this table, like off to the side in this large, exquisite dining room area with this nice crown molding all around it, this nice chandelier, and all over this table with these nice, beautiful green plants. Somebody say, oh boy. Yeah, so there were plants all over there. I'm like, ma'am, what's, what's that on the table over there? My pinky finger kind of pulled back in, like, what? And, and all of a sudden she says, oh, well, my, my, my grandson, in fact, uh, he has this green thumb and he's just wonderful with these plants. So she goes over and gets this little bottle and she starts spraying these little green leafy plants. I'm sure by now you have an idea of what these were. <laughs> so now at this point, I'm thinking when she talks about the fact that she makes her own lemonade from scratch. And I'm really thinking, oh boy. And then as I'm thinking about the brownies that are smelling so good in the oven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she goes on to say, well, you know, he has such a green thumb. He actually has a lot more plants growing in the basement. I said, well, I declare. Why don't you show us that? So we're standing there looking at each other and we put down our glasses and we go downstairs. And sure enough, these beautiful glow lights and these beautiful green plants just growing all over the place. And we're like, wow. Now, naturally, I was thinking in my mind, being the new cop, okay, we've got to go get a, a search warrant, dude, because we, we, we just hit the mother load. He's like, no, we don't do that. Everything's right here in plain sight. Right there in plain sight. I want to talk to you a little bit about what's right there in plain sight. Well, anyway, we go ahead and we leave the house. But before we do, he's a senior officer. 
one of those brownies that I didn't want to touch. He's nibbling, enjoying his good old brownie on the way. Our next call happens to be a bar brawl. And so we go inside and we're dealing with that. And I'm wondering why he's over there saying, can't we all just get along? <laughs> he had a case of the happies. And of course, that last part was not really true. So don't, don't erase that off of the recording. That was really not the case. Not at all. But the first part. Hey, but listen, I really want us to talk about what's hiding uh, in plain sight. Uh, I, I love being a part of a unit that would kick in doors and go and serve search warrants. And sometimes people would be hiding in the strangest places. You would find, uh, one time I found a person hiding in one of those sleep sofas, just kind of rolled up in a sleep sofa after her mom, his mom had given consent for us to do the search, signed this thing. We didn't have to kick in the door or anything. We had the place around it. We knew he had gone in, but we just didn't see him come out. We couldn't find him. He happened to be rolled up in a sleep sofa. Another time, dude was hiding underneath the kitchen sink. Somebody say everything but the kitchen sink. He was actually hiding out of the kitchen sink. And another time, uh, there was a guy, believe it or not, we, now this took us a long time. We went in and out, scratching our heads, trying to figure out where is dude. We know he went in. We were there on surveillance. We've got this van with this periscope that looks out. We've been watching. I'm talking about for hours. And so we knew he was there, but we just couldn't find him. And guess where he was? Can any, who said it? Refrigerator. And the iPad goes to her. The second row. Listen, right there in the refrigerator, I don't know how he was able to breathe that long because we went in and out, in and out, trying to figure out where did he go? Sometimes it's not about finding a person. Sometimes it's just about finding, finding contraband. Say contraband. And that was that stuff over there on the table at the other lady's house, at, gra- at grandmama's house. Contraband. And oftentimes contraband, uh, the object of our search is not something that's illegal, Oftentimes, it's something that's perfectly legal, perfectly okay to possess. It's just evidence of something else that's gone terribly wrong. Hiding there in the house at plain sight. I want to talk to you about what's at plain sight. What's at plain sight in your life? What is obvious and right on the surface as we dig into this topic called idolatry. Mm -hmm. Somebody say idolatry. Yeah, I don't like the word idol. It just sounds like... It's about someone else, right? I mean, what do you first, when you think of idols, what do you think of? I I get this image of the fat man made of gold with the big beer belly with the incense burning on him. You know, the one you see sometimes when you go to the certain restaurant, which I shall not name. But I get this image of of an idol that's something else that people worship somewhere else far away in some foreign country, some foreign thing that I would have nothing to do with whatsoever. But I'm here to tell you today that we're coming for and we're searching for you and I today, the idols that are sitting in plain sight in your heart. And in my heart. Uh, Today I have a writ. A search warrant. And and, and we're going to look in your heart. We're going to look in my heart today. Somebody say bad boys, bad boys. (laughs) Bob Marley made it famous. (laughs) On on the real today, I I want you to look into your heart this morning. Look, Look deep in the recesses of your heart. And I want you to consider the very thing that you love. The very thing that you adore, in fact. The very blessing of God that just might be something that might be an idol. That's placed up high. So high, in fact, that you no longer see the God the one who brought you out in the first place. Uh, The God that we love, who loves us, says that I won't share uh, the place in your heart with anyone or anything. Somebody say anyone or anything. Let me hear you. Come on, say it again. Anyone or anything. Come on, a little bit more intestinal fortitude. Anyone or anything. So we've got to get to the point, you and I, but we don't let anyone or anything stand in the place of God in our hearts and our minds. And it's not as easy as it seems. 
As I began to, to dig through this study, I began to look at the idols that I didn't even realize were there in my own heart, in my own life. And I'm here today to tell you that perhaps you don't even realize the idols that are, that are in your own heart, in your own mind, in your own life. But today we're going to shine the light of God on them today. And here's what God says in Exodus 20. It's a great passage of scripture. This, this is long before Israel got to Mount Sinai. It says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. I don't know if they have it on the screen. Exodus 20. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and you shall have no other gods before me. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, and you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any idol in the form of anything in heaven above on the earth below. Are beneath the waters. I am the Lord your God who brought you out. I am the Lord your God who brought you out. I am the Lord your God who brought you out is what he said. See, the problem that Israel had is they forgot the Lord their God who brought them out. And my challenge to you today, my brother and my sister, my brother and my sister, don't forget the God who brought you out. That was the challenge they were faced with. And I don't know what your Egypt is. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what you've been through and perhaps what you're even going through right now. But I know that there's a God who wants to bring you out and bring you into the place that you need to be. See, there was this promised land that God was trying to take his people to that they couldn't get there until they went through the wilderness, until they went to the hard places. I don't know if you're going through the hard places right now, but the God who brought you out will bring you in if you trust him. Today, you might be here and you might be dealing with brokenness even right now. Uh, Maybe you, like Israel, might know what it's like to be dealing with oppression and depression and regression and suppression. Maybe maybe right now, even now, even while you're here singing about God's goodness inside of your heart and your mind, there's this heaviness that weighs you down and it makes you feel like that you're just nothing. But in fact, I want you to know that there's a God who sees you right where you are. The same way that God saw Israel right in the heart of their pain, right where they were. Uh, You see, Israel was involved in 400 years of slavery, 400 years of oppression, 400 years of dealing with harsh, cruel bosses, 400 years of dealing with the sting of the whip, 400 years of being pushed down, held down, pressed down, laid down in depression and, and in shame and in pain. But yet there was a God who saw them right where they were. And the same God sees you right where you are today. Israel's story was a was a come up story. You know what a come up story is? It, it, it's when you're in a low place and, and, and while you're right there and you think that no one else sees you, no one else cares for you. I'll begin. All of a sudden you begin to see just a little bit of light, a little bit of hope. And see, Israel began to see a, just a little bit of light, a little bit of hope as they began to follow Moses out of the, 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 the bondages of slavery, out of the grip of, of Pharaoh's hand. But the challenge was not so much to get his people out of Egypt as it was to get Egypt out of his people. See, it's easy to take the Egyptians or the Israelites out of Egypt, but it's harder to get Egypt out of the Israelites. It's easy to take Daryl out of the ghetto, but it's hard to get the ghetto mentality out of Daryl. See, the ghetto mentality will have you thinking you were impoverished even when God says that he's all that you need. The ghetto mentality will have you think that you don't have enough when God says he's all that you will ever, ever, ever need. I wonder if there's anyone here today who knows what it means to come out. 
Is there anyone who's, who's ever been part of a come out story, a come up story? See, God was calling Israel to come out from where they were and to step into a different place. But they couldn't get there because they were shadowed and, 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 and shrouded around about their minds and in their hearts by this thing that weighed them down, that held them down. And I'm afraid today that you and I, if we're not careful, the very things that we see as blessings from God will be the very things that will hold us down, that will keep us captive and will keep us from where God wants to take us in our lives. You see, they walked out with gold in their pockets. They walked out with trinkets and blessings. And I'm afraid if you are like me, that if you're not too careful, the very thing that God blesses you with will be the very thing that you will prop up as an idol in your life. Is there anybody here that hears me this morning? Yeah. I, I want us to dig deep and to look into our hearts. David, David knew it well. Remember the Psalms in Psalm 121? He says, God, search me, search me, oh God. Know my heart and try me and trust, try me, God, and see if there's any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. And I wonder if there's anyone still today that's brave enough to pray a prayer like that. Somebody say, search me, oh God. Me, oh God. Now, now be careful. Be careful what you ask for now. Okay, be careful. Be careful. Be careful what you ask for. But David says, search me, O God, try me, put me to the test, and then see if there's anything in me. And if we are truly going to be followers of Christ, we're going to have to be people who recognize that we need to see what's in the deep, hidden recesses of our heart when no one else sees, them, sees it there. Israel was called to a, to a come-out story. Tim Keller says it this way, idolatry is always and ultimately a matter of the affections of the heart. Idolatry is always and ultimately a matter of the affections of the heart. I like that, but Jesus said it this way. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your treasure? Now, I know the first thing that comes to to your mind and my mind when we think about treasures, we think about the Benjamins, right? We think about the dollars and, and, and we think, well, you know, I even heard it when I was growing up and uh, young Daryl and Babakaj. They said, well, Daryl, you know what? If you have something, you can't give it away. Uh, you don't own it. It owns you. And so, and so even here now, I'm wondering what owns me? What is it that I have? And, and I'm clutching on so tight that if God ever called upon me to give it up, that I couldn't give it up and release it. When my daughter says, hey, dad, I want to go over to Africa and be a missionary. I'm thinking, I don't know if at this point in life, if I want to deal with a daughter gone overseas in a faraway place with people who I don't know anything about. But if I have something that I couldn't give it away, maybe I don't own it. Maybe she was not mine in the first place. Maybe I was owned and controlled by my fear of loss with her. I want to challenge you and encourage you today to trust the God who brought you out. I love what Israel was going through at this time. I love the idea that where our treasure is, is where our heart is also. They used to say, you, you can look at a man's uh, checkbook and you can determine what he values. Now, for you millennials, uh, a checkbook, what it looks like, it's, in case you didn't know, there's this thing that they had back in the day before your time. Uh, you would actually uh, write numbers in there and, and they use this thing called cursive. So you didn't, if you were writing a check, which is what this piece of paper was. It was for $4. You actually wrote out in this beautiful, it's hard to explain. If you want to know where your treasure is, uh, check, check your PayPal account. Okay. Maybe you should check your, your cash app. How does that sound? Okay. 
Where a man's treasure is, where a woman's treasure is, where a young person's treasure is, is where that person's heart is. What do you value? Not just money, but what do you, do you value the person that's sitting next to you that you call your husband or your wife so much that you can't see anything else but them? Are, 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 are you longing and longing and praying and waiting for that one special person to come along and, and you want them so bad that you can't see anything else? Then I want to propose to you that, that that very person might just be an idol that you've put up above God. And maybe you've been praying. Maybe you've been in that very prayer room right there. And, and you know that God said that you can have the career. That you're highly, highly blessed and favored of the Lord. And that one day uh, you're going to walk into the blessing of, uh, and God's going to give you that great career, that wonder job. But I wonder if we ever get there and if we prop that thing up so high and put it up in such a high place that if we forget who God is. I wonder if we've created idols for ourselves and that we're no better than the children of Israel who created this thing that we know as a golden calf. That's why we have to search our hearts. Search our hearts. I don't know why I'm yelling so much today. I don't know. Didn't drink any Red Bull or coffee, but but I'm excited about the idea that we can we can walk free today from the things that will weigh us down, the things that would hold us down. One of the biggest examples of idolatry that God shows us in the Bible took place in the come up story of his people took place in the come up story of his people. And I want to tell you one of the biggest examples of idolatry in your life. One of the things you need to be most aware of is that while you're on the come up, that you don't put something else up instead of God in your life. Yeah. It's so easy to forget. So easy to look in the mirror and forget what manner of man we are to walk away forgetting whose we are in the first place. Yeah. I'll never forget uh, being the young police officer. And all I want to do is just make a name for myself. Oh, young Double D was hard on crime. Not so much because I cared about those who were victims of crime, but because I thought I could make a name for myself. And after a while, I began to see that I no longer knew what the man would look like in the mirror when I looked at him. Be careful that, that you recognize what it is that you set up high, that you prop up uh, the, the good things that you have in your life. I'm here to tell you that the good things will hide in plain sight. They'll, they'll deceive you and trick you and think you, make you think that you're just doing okay right now. So you can have the, the nice dream home. You can live the good old American dream and, and have the, the nice car and have all the nice stuff. Uh, but you can be down on the inside, uh, walking away that's so far away from, from the direction that God wants you to be. You, you can be so far away from the promised land, still pushing forward uh, with your desire for the stuff that will keep you bound in the past. God was trying to get Egypt out of Israel, but they, they, they couldn't see it. Israel forgot who brought them out in the first place and soon turned to the idols for their comfort and for their guidance. What is it that you turn to uh, for your comfort and for your guidance? What is it that you look to when the pressure's on? What is it that you think about and that keeps you up way that late at late at late at night when everyone else has gone to sleep and when it's quiet? What is it that, that you Is it that dream? Maybe, maybe it's that aspiration of, of, of what you want to see one day. Maybe it's not something you have right now, but, but it's your desire for something in the future. One of the biggest fallacies is this idea that idolatry is something only for the rich and famous. No, if, if you have a desire for a thing so strong that you can't see anything else, then, then you have an idol, idol, even if you don't recognize it or, or realize it. As I was uh, doing my, my study, I looked at uh, uh, different words and I tried to come up with the four eyes of idolatry. You know, you need an eye on this. But I, but I couldn't come up with anything with the letter I. Uh, but so I got the four P's, the uh, three P's of, of idolatry. Somebody say three P's of idolatry. Now, um, I don't, I don't have, uh, 
that Masters in Divinity yet, the MD of those four letters behind my name, you know, MD of Masters in Divinity, Daryl Davis. Uh, one day I hope to get that. Um, but I don't have that yet. Right now, the four letters I have, Daryl Davis, ADHD. And, <laughs> and, and, so, and so one day, uh, one day, uh, I'm not going to make it out of it, but one day I'm going to get that Daryl Davis, MDiv, you know, those four letters. But right now I'm dealing with the Daryl Davis, ADHD. And so I was glad you were able to make it. The lady that just walked in and walked out, I just, just kind of caught my eye there for a second. Hey, how are you doing? No, but really it's so easy to get distracted. And Israel's problem was that they were, they got distracted right in the throes of what God was trying to get them to see and get them to do. They got so distracted that they couldn't see the promise and they couldn't enter in the when, when God himself wanted them to enter into that place. And, and so as I began to study and prepare, uh, there are three P's that really stuck out to me. People, you can write this down, possessions, and the pleasures of life. People, possessions, and the pleasures of life. See, any idol that you, if, if you want to know where an idol is and what it looks like, look in your heart and look for things that might be possessions or look for things that would bring you pleasure, that would bring you satisfaction in life, but nothing else will. Look for the people who you would prop up that might be just the very blessings of God in your life, but that you look to more than you look to God. Three things, people, possessions, and pleasures. I want to turn right now as we uh, get closer to a close to our bumper passage in Exodus 32. I think we've got that on the screen. Exodus 32, 1 to 8. Bible says, there we go. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us idols who shall go before us. I want us to stop right there. Do you see what's going on in that story right there? Here, uh, Moses had only been gone for 40 days up to the mountain to be with God. And while he was there, God himself was, was, was telling Moses how he wanted to be with the people. He didn't want to be the God that was far away. He wanted to be the God who drew near to his people. And yet, the people found themselves saying, make us gods who shall go before us. They, they began to look for something else to, to lead them and to give them guidance and direction when they couldn't sense God's presence anymore. I see, I see one of the things I think we struggle with, especially us musicians and singers, is, is we think sometimes when we don't sense and feel God's presence that God's not there. We think unless it's one of those kind of worship services where, where there's, you know, shivers running down our back and, oh, where there are a whole bunch of people weeping and wailing that somehow God's presence is not here. I'm here to tell you that sometimes you may not feel God, you may not sense God, but if you belong to God, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And so if you're here today and you struggle with the reality of God because you just don't feel anything, I want you to know you're, you're in good company. You're right where you need to be because most of us don't. But we know that God is true to his word. He says he will never leave us or forsake us. And so my challenge to you is don't, don't go, go looking for something else to give you guidance. Don't go looking for something else to go before you and to point the way. Look to the God who brought you out in the first place. All Israel had to do was look to the God they brought them out in the first place. And as we read on, verse 2, it says that Aaron said, Take off the rings of gold that are in your ears, uh, the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring to me. So verse 3, So all the people took off the rings, the gold that were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with the graving tool, and made a golden calf. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid watching that movie, uh, what was it, Charlton Heston? Remember the, the golden calf? I mean, that was a big old giant 
golden calf thing. I used to watch that with my dad every year. I wonder what the calf looked like from the gold that Israel provided to Aaron to make them an idol. The amazing thing when I think about that story is, where did they get the gold in the first place? When you were a slave, especially for 400 years, you don't have any gold. When they were on their trek from Egypt to Mount Sinai, there, there weren't any Jarrett's along the way, right? You couldn't find any Rogers jewelers. So where did they get the gold in the first place? They couldn't stop at the Gucci store and Neiman Marcus. And there, there was no place. But, but the reality is that God blessed them as they were coming out. And the very things, listen, the very things, the very things that they were blessed with were the very things that they used and decided to make those things their idols. They decided to take the created thing instead of recognize the creator and turn the created thing into a God. What is it that God's given you? What is it that you've been praying for and fasting for for years that, that you've placed up as an idol in your life? Now, I look back, I remember the story of Abraham, how he had prayed for a son and they said he couldn't have one, but God provided anyway. But one day, one day God came and says, no, that's not your boy. That's my boy. I want you to know that the things that God has blessed you with, they don't belong to you. In fact, you don't even belong to you. See, what we know is that we've been bought with a price. We're no longer ours. We're in Christ. And in Christ, all that we have, all that we are, and all that we hope to be should belong to him. They look to their possessions instead of looking to their God. Verse 4, he received the gold from their hand, fashioned it with a graving tool, and made a golden calf and said, these are your gods. That's what they said. These are your gods of Israel who brought you up out of Egypt. Who brought them up out of Egypt? Who brought them up out of Egypt? Hmm. Who brought you up out of where you were before? See, I, I'm talking to Christians today. I, I, if you're here and you're a visitor and, and, and you don't know this guy, I'm, but I'm talking to those of us who know Christ, who remember what it feels like to be in captivity, who remembers what it feels like to be broken and, and, and down and, and, and having no hope for the, huge, for the future. It was God that brought us out and it was God that brought them out also, but they couldn't remember it anymore. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord God. In fact, what Aaron did was he said, you know what? We've got this golden calf thing. But what we should do is Christianize this thing. Have you ever tried to take something and Christianize it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you can do that. Did, did you know you can do that? I remember when I was down, way down, so bad that I couldn't sleep good at night. The, the pressure, the stress was so great. It didn't matter that I was a worship leader at Montgomery Assembly of God. It didn't matter that I got up every Sunday morning. Hallelujah, let's enter into a time of worship. I was so down, so depressed, so much dealing with so much frustration and pain that I had two friends that I went to bed with every night. Jim Bean. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I put Jim down and I, and, I, and I picked up Jack. Two friends. It's easy to forget who brought you out and to look to the thing instead of the creative God who created you in the first place. I, I remember those days of of looking good on the surface. Someone had asked me, do I love? Oh, yes. I, oh, of course I love the Lord. Bless God. 
But there were things that had crept into my heart and in my mind, pain and, and trouble. And make no mistake about it, all of us deal with pain and trouble. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. It's going to rain on you and on you and on you and on you. We're all going to go through trouble. In this world, there's going to be what? There's going to be trouble. But the word says, be of good cheer. The one who's overcome the world is the one who lives in you and lives in me. I remember when I finally turned a corner, when I was finally able to get rid of my two friends. I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't rise to that level. And it's so easy to dumb down and to Christianize. You know what the reality is? I mean, I've got my King James Bible right here next to the bed, too. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know what? I'm a sinner saved by grace. It it doesn't matter that, that, that I began to look to something else for my comfort, look to something else for my rest. When in fact, the Bible said in Proverbs that the beloved shall lay down and his or her sleep shall be sweet. How are you sleeping? Have, have you put up your passion for success, your, your, your passion for, for your dreams so high that you can't do anything else but your waking and your sleeping is all about that one thing that you know will bring you the satisfaction that nothing else could? That thing is called an idol. The Lord said finally to Moses, Go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, verse 7, have corrupted themselves. The Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought out of Egypt. Who brought them out of Egypt? Yeah, was it Moses that brought them out? I'm not saying that God was frustrated there, but, but, but it's a telling thing when God says, hey, those are your people. You know? Can I talk to my people of color? I mean, just my people for a second. I mean, just, I, I love y'all, but and, and y'all everywhere, so I don't even know where to look. But you know how we are when we when we look on TV and on the on, on the eleven o'clock news when they're interviewing the person and and it's the it's the worst person you can imagine. And, and sometimes you're like, man, why don't they find somebody that can can put together a sentence correctly? And and it's in our house, we we'll sit, sit there and we'll say, man. That, that's your cousin right there. <laughs> there are your people again. That's what we say. I mean, this, this, the, now, now white people, I need to let you know, you, you've got, man, we've got Sweet Brown. If you don't know who Sweet Brown is, go to YouTube. Sweet Brown is a mess. But, but you've got, I was looking at, uh, Andy Griffin the other day. And, uh, y'all got Ernest T. Bass. I'm just telling you. Whenever I get to thinking that, then maybe I'm not as, as, as on equal footing as somebody that may not be a person of color. Man, I, I go to Andy Griffin, I look at Ernest T. Bass. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Ernest is something else. I don't know how I got off on that, except for I got those four letters. <laughs> Daryl Davis. What was I talking about? Oh boy, oh boy. But anyway, verse... <laughs> Verse 7, see, in a multi-ethnic, multi-culture, multi-generational church, you have to just keep it real. You see, if you can't laugh at yourself, then you're way too uptight. If you can't laugh at the flaws in your culture, the issues that you have as a people group. See, see, Paul knew what it was like to, to put false hope in his culture. Remember, he said, man, I was, I, I was chiefest in my culture. I mean, I did everything according to the law. But he said, you know what? I counted as garbage for the sake of knowing Christ. And so even though it's Black History Month, man, compared to Christ, I count it not as garbage, but garbage. Yeah, I'm, not, 
go. Let that go over your head. Because it's all about Christ. It's Christ in us that's made us one. It's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. If our generations are going to change, even as we as people as color, it's going to be because of Christ in us that's the hope of glory. Not because we look back at some history story. It's Christ in you and it's Christ in me that will make all the difference in the world. And I'm wondering where I am at my time. And so, last thing. And so, so, so God said to Moses, hey, go down. Uh, your people you brought up out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. It reminds me of my mom growing up as a kid. You know how it is. Wait till your father gets home. You remember that? Man, I remember I'd get in trouble and my mom would tell me, you know, just wait, wait, wait till your dad gets home. And as soon as he did, his name was Wes, but my mom, Dave, hey, Dave. Your son over there, you need to have a talk with him. I think it's that same spirit that the God's talking with Moses. Moses, go deal with your people. Verse 8 says, they have turned aside quickly out of the way that I can. They have turned aside quickly. How quickly we who name the name of Christ turn aside. They turned aside quickly. They forgot who brought them out. They forgot who commanded them in the first place that they should have no other gods before him. They have made for themselves a golden calf and a worship and a sacrifice to it. Uh, today, as I as I close out, I just want to challenge you uh, to take an eternal look at inside of your heart and, and and whatever you find there, lay it at the altar. Man, we have a prayer room. I was there this morning after the first service. There are people who will pray for you. And we don't have to go it alone. Now, in this great community of faith that we have here, we have people who will walk with us. If there's something you struggle with that you've propped up, take it to the Lord. Bow your heads with me.